Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Norman Thomas. These teachings are designed to empower you to live a higher quality of life. Take a few minutes to receive a deposit of godly wisdom for your day. For more information and more extended teachings from Dr. Thomas, visit normanthomas.org. Hi. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created... That's in verse, that's in chapter one. So, so she was already there. Where was she? In the spirit, just like Adam was. So they were created both at the same time. All right. So the word man that's used in the King James Version is not male. The word man is mankind, which includes male and female at the same time. All right. So in chapter three and verse one, chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more subtle, more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman. Now, listen to this question. Now, listen to this question, because this is how the devil starts conversation with you. This is how he pulls you in. He, he always will ask a question because a question raises doubt. And the only thing that is key to getting you away uh, out of faith is doubt. So the devil knows he needs to plant doubt to rob faith from you. Any level of confidence that you have in God requires a seed of doubt first. So there will always be a question. So he asks a question. He says, did God really say What do you mean really say? He either said or he didn't. Okay. Anyway, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Stop, please. Any tree in the garden. Now, this is tricky because this is not what he said at all. What did he say? He said, you can eat of all the trees of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't say, you can't eat of all the trees. But that was the question Satan posed to Eve. Where Adam was, I don't know. Because quite frankly, the serpent was not even supposed to be talking. He's not even supposed to be in the garden. How did he get in the garden? I don't know. Why is he talking? I have no idea. Satan has no right to talk to you. He has no right to talk to you. You, you are higher. You, you are much higher than he is. He, it, he's out of order to speak to you. And when he speaks to you, you're supposed to silence him. And remind him, you're beneath me. You don't talk to me. Okay? Okay, I talk to you. And when I talk to you, I command you. Okay, but you don't, you don't talk to me. I'm telling you, some of y'all ain't not getting this, but that's why, that's why some stuff is going on in your life because you think you and the devil are equal. He says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? Now, Eve answered correctly. Look at verse 2. She answered, she got this because Adam taught her. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from 
the trees, we may eat from the trees in the garden. I think another version really amplifies that, that we can eat from all the trees of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, okay, where am I? Go back. Okay. The woman said to the serpent, <laughs> all right, come on, Jeremiah. All right. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden. Okay. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. So she corrected that, that incorrect question. All right. Look at verse four. Now, you, you're not going to die. You, you're not going to die. Girl, you're not going to die. You, you know, okay. Now, what, what did he just do? He called God a liar. That is the ultimate goal of Satan in your mind is to declare God a liar. So when you say, here, listen to this. When you say or when you think that God made you sick, you just call God a liar. Because he said, I'm a healer. Okay. How did that thought even get there? Because the same way it got to Eve, it's getting to you. So Satan proposes a thought with a question about somebody else's condition, about somebody else's situation. And you're taking the experience of people and applying it to your life. And you're trying to bring the word down to the level of human experience. When it's the goal of every individual to bring life experience up to the level of the word. The word does not change. What does the Bible say? Let God be true. Let God be true. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. Okay? So the word does not change. Say the word does not change. He said, you're not going to die. God's lying to you. He said, let me, let me tell you what's really going on. Let, let, me, let me enlighten you. Next verse, please. He says, for God knows, here's what God knows, that when you eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be like God. Knowing good and evil. Now remember, the knowledge of good and evil does not equate to the reality of good and evil. God knows evil, but evil is not God's reality. Good is God's reality, and all God wanted for humanity was the reality of his goodness toward them. Evil was highly unnecessary. And evil remains highly unnecessary today. So, look at verse 6. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, what tree? 
how she saw is good now for food. She just preached to the devil. Now all of a sudden, So God, so God holding back on me. I always wondered why God had this tree here and told us not to touch it. What is it that God doesn't want me to see? What is it that God doesn't want me to know? See, that's been too smart for your own good. See, so... When she saw that the fruit of the tree was good. Now, what happened when she saw that, it wasn't that she didn't see that tree or the fruit on that tree before this. But her perspective of that tree changed with the seed of doubt that was planted in her mind. And any time you hang out. Anytime you hang out with the wrong company, it doesn't matter how strong you think you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. If you will continue to hang out with the wrong company that plants the wrong seed, you're going to see too. You're going to see too, just like Eve saw. And all of a sudden, your perspective begins to change. And then years later, you wonder, how did I get here? How did I get to this place? Because seed has been planted. So she saw that it was good now and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining. See, desire is under your control. If you're experiencing bad desires, you can change it. By meditating what it is that you want to desire. So you have to stop meditating those things that are creating the wrong desires and start on purpose putting before you those things that will create the right desires. You got to starve bad stimulation and increase proper stimulation in order to change desires. So people say, I got these desires. I don't know what to do. I just, I just can't help myself. Yes, you can. You can help yourself. By starving those desires, by extinguishing those things that create them. You remove them from your life. You take them out. That's how you do it. And then your desires will change. So she also gave some to her husband. She took some and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. What a wimp. Really? You were put in charge of this garden. You were giving you were giving the privilege of honoring Eve and teaching her and protecting her. And here you are yielding to this. You know why? Because while all this was going on, he's standing right there, gazing too. And he should have cut this thing off. Next verse. Next verse. Now, this is what I wanted to get to. Then the eyes of both of them were open. 
and they realize reality. Reality. They realize that they were naked. So then they start making clothes and covering themselves. All right, so let's stop there for just a second. Now, their eyes were open before this moment. Am I right? But so what are we talking about here? Now their eyes are open. They're, in other words, their eyes are now open to another spectrum of reality, which came with the eating of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Prior to this, their eyes were open, but only to the reality that God had planned for them. This reality was never planned for them. This was the reality they were to live out of and to experience the goodness of God for eternity. But once they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, well, then their eyes were open. Once your eyes have been open to this spectrum, your eyes now close to this one. I don't think you understand. See, as long as their eyes were open to the goodness of God, they could not see evil. But when your eyes are open to evil, you cannot see good. Can't see it. So not only were their eyes open, their eyes were closed. The deal is we're talking about two separate dimensions of view. One spiritual, one natural. So while their eyes were open to the natural realm, their eyes were closed to the spirit realm. So, so, so today, you and I, as believers, we're living in a natural world, but we're living out of a spiritual reality. In other words, as believers, we're not natural beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings, and we're having a natural experience because we're not of this world. We're of the world of the spirit, the world of God, the world of the kingdom. So we're, we're foreigners here. Once you be, become born again, the Bible says you're born anew. You are a new, you're a new species. This is why people say things like, I, when, I, when I really got the word, I started seeing things that I, I couldn't see before. Why? Because your eyes were reopened to the realm of the spirit. You see, and this is why a lot of times people who are really connected with God and in, and in living the life of the spirit have trouble with people who are just naturally minded because you see things they can't see and they see things you can't see. Okay? And what you have there is a, a conflict of views and sometimes all in the same house. And you need the wisdom of God to navigate when you're in that kind of a situation. Well, what happens is whichever view that you possess determines which mind you work from. And this is why Paul talked about the spiritual mind and the carnal mind. 
Because the carnal mind can't see the things of the spirit. As a matter of fact, the carnal mind is so carnal, it sets itself up against the things of the spirit. Okay? So their eyes were both open and closed at the same time. And they realized, or they, entered, they began to have a new reality of the natural realm. And when, they, when, they, when the natural realm was their reality, they looked at, <gasps> that wasn't a problem before. Somebody said it was clothed in God's glory. I don't know about that. I, it wasn't, and it's probably so, but not like it was a cloud around them. Like a glory cloud. You know, no, it's just, it was no issue. We're living in the glory. Now, that don't mean you go out and, you know, don't do that. Because most people are not living in the glory. <laughs> no, but my point is, my point is, is that now I see something I didn't see before. I see nakedness. This was what existed outside the garden, empty, void, and dark. Yes, sir. Nakedness. Yes, sir. It was an intrusion of a higher reality. Yes, now, the, the, what's so big of a deal about being a Christian? The big deal about being a Christian is not going to church. The big deal about being a Christian is not praying three times a day. The big deal about being a Christian is not having a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. <laughs> the big deal about being a Christian is that I'm in Jesus now. And Jesus is the remedy for getting me back to the glory. Getting me back to the garden. See, see now what has happened? The Bible says in the book of Psalms, David says, he says, now what happens to man? It's a complicated situation because now man is born in sin because of Adam. He's born in, into the state of sin. Okay. It's not that he sinned personally to be in that state. It's his nature is sinfulness because of Adam, mankind, which we're all part of. So, so he's born in sin and he's shaped into the ways of iniquity, to the ways of evil. That's why the example I gave you earlier about your child, you have to teach him, you know, stop that, stop that. No, no, because that's why. Because he's born in sin and shaped into iniquity. But that's why every person that comes into the earth by natural birth comes in need of being redeemed. You're not in need of being redeemed because you personally committed an act of sin. You're, you're in need of being redeemed because your nature is in opposition to that of God. But once you accept Christ and once you yield to the Lordship of God through Jesus Christ, remember, it leans you back. It leans your nature back towards that of God and creates a reconciliation with God, a restoring back to God the way it was before Adam committed treason. The idea of God by sending Jesus is to allow you to embrace Jesus by faith so that God can act like nothing ever happened. 
He wants you back. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief came to steal, thief came to kill, the thief came to destroy. But I came that you may have life and enjoy life and have it more abundantly. God wants to bring you all the way back up to the way it was. Okay. Go with me to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Let's, let's, let's clarify that. The one who practices a lifestyle of sin is of and from the devil. In other words, the devil is the father of those who live this way. Before God was your father, the devil was. I know that's not you know, wasn't necessarily stated, but that's, that's what it was, okay? Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. But the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. To destroy the devil's work. Let's put that in the Amplified Translation. But he who commits sin, or in other words, he who practices evil doing is of the devil. What does that mean? He takes his character from the evil one. Why? Because the devil has sinned and violated the divine law from the beginning. But the reason the Son of God was made manifest or visible as recorded in John 1 and 14, St. John 1, 14, was to undo, undo, I like the word undo, Undo it. Jesus came to undo it. He came to undo what the devil did. Okay? And that word also means destroy, to loosen, to dissolve. I like the word dissolve because when something's dissolved, it can't be put back together. Okay? So to undo and to dissolve the works the devil has done. So in other words, I have a path now. I have a pathway back to God's original plan. I have a path back to his original plan. That's independent of me. In other words, I, I'm not responsible for the why or the how. I can get back. That's like if you're traveling somewhere and it's now dark and you don't know where you are, there are no lights on the street, and somebody stops you and says, where are you going? Yes, I have no idea. I know where I want to go. And you tell them where you want to go. I say, yeah, I know exactly where it is. Just follow me. You're like, let's go. You don't know who that is. You have no idea who that person is. You don't know where they're leading you. But you're trusting and believing and hoping they're leading you where you want to go. And you follow them like your life depends upon it. Why? Because you're afraid. Because it's dark. You're lost. You don't know where you are. You've never seen this path before. And you don't know which direction you're, you don't even know if you're going north or south. And this person says, I know exactly where you're going to go. Follow me. And your objective is not to lose those taillights. That's your objective. Okay? That is what it's like being born again. Getting back into Christ. Getting into Christ. It's like, okay, so you mean Jesus can get me back? He can get me back to where God intended life for me to be? 
He can get me out of despair. He can get me out of, of, uh, of depression. He can get me out of, of devastation. He can get me out of this emotional turmoil. He can pull me out of financial distress. He can, he can pull me out of hatred and bitterness and anger that's, that's, that's incarcerating my life. He can, he can bring me out of mental despair, mental torment that's going on. I can't even sleep at night because of all the stuff going on in my mind. He can get me out of that. Show me the way. In other words, I'm going to follow you out. I'm going to follow you out of all of this mess that I have found myself in to where God originally planned for my life to be. Come on, if you understand that, give the Lord praise. In Genesis 3 and 7, I believe, Genesis 3 and 7, we, we see the deal. The deal is that Satan used deception. He used deception to close their eyes to the great reality, the highest reality, and to open their eyes to a lesser reality. And so many people, including Christians, are living at a low reality. They're living at the low reality. The objective of the devil is for you to stay there. Why? Because he knows over time he can discourage you out of this whole idea of being a Christian. Why does he want to do that? Because he wants you to go to hell? No. He probably don't even want you to be in hell with him. It's not that he wants to bring you to hell. He doesn't want you to release heaven on earth. He knows what some of you don't know. He knows that you are loaded with heaven. Meaning that you are loaded with the goodness of God. From the very beginning, you have been loaded with the goodness of God. You have things inside of you you're not even aware of. You have potentials in you that will blow your own mind. And what the devil doesn't want is for you to recognize that. He didn't want for you to realize that. What he wants you to realize, I'm naked. I'm naked. I'm naked. Go back to that scripture, please. Do you remember what it was? Genesis. Right after this. Okay, yes. Next verse, please. Oh, that's it right there. We're sitting on it. So listen to this. And here's, this is important. So the eyes of both were open. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for them. So that's the first skirt. All right. Verse 8. <laughs> Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God from uh, among the trees in the garden, like they could hide from God. All right. But the Lord says, he called the man, he says, where are you? Keep going. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and, and I was a little afraid because I'm naked, and so I hid. And, and God said, who you been talking to? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The only way for you to have 
inferiority wow. is for you to have doubt. Yes. The only way for you to have doubt is for you to have an evil-based reality. You eating from the tree. The only way for you to think you're not good enough, you've been hanging out the tree. The only way for you to have problems with people, if they call you a derogatory name, you're hanging out the tree. Offense comes from the tree. You're meddling in a lower reality. That doesn't even belong to you. Yes, sir. It's irrelative to you. This is what I believe Paul was talking about when he says, forget those things which are behind. Yes, sir. Why, are you, why are you thinking? Why are you meditating on stuff that has nothing to do with your destiny? Has nothing to do with your future. Your mind is on people that have hurt you and offended you. People that don't like you. People that are racially biased against you. They have absolutely nothing to do with your destiny. And that's who your mind is on. That's what your mind is on. He says, forget that. Because those are things that are behind you. Focus on things that are in front of you. He says, who told you that? Who told you that? The inversion of that question is God saying, I never said that. Why would you be living by something I never said? All I said was good. All the things I've spoken toward you have been good. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you and they're all good. He says, I'll never withhold any good thing from you. So when you say I'm broke. Who told you that? Where'd you get that? What makes you think if I, if I am the essence of abundance, how are you going to be broke if you're my child? Okay? Now let me answer that question. The only way for you to have a broke experience is to have a broke mind based on a lower reality. It's the only way. So I don't know about you, but I'm determined to raise my reality, to keep raising my reality, because every one of us have some element of low reality in us. Because of life, because of our existence here, all of us are dealing with some degree of low life reality. But the word is what raises us up. The word is what brings us back up to God's original plan and God's original idea for you. It is a choice for you to take the word and to receive the word and to act on the word. How much of this that you've heard are you going to do? You say, okay, Pastor, so what can I do today that's different than what I've done before I came in here today? 
But one thing you can do is never, ever say ever again from your mouth anything God has not said about you. Pastor, I understand, but I just like to keep it real. I just like to keep it real. Everybody say real. Real. Reality. So when you say, I'm just going to keep it real, what you're saying is, I'm just going to stay in my reality. I know God is good, but you know, I got to keep it real. I know God's a healer, but you know, I got to keep it real. You know, I know God, he, he wants to bless us, but I got to keep it real. This is, they, well, you, you're keeping it real is you buying in to a lesser reality than the one God has planned for you. You don't need to keep it real down here. You need to keep it real up here. This is where you need to keep it real. Amen. Put your hands together. Receive that. All right. My last scripture is in Luke chapter six. And we're going to pray and receive some people into Christ today. How about that? Luke chapter six. Verse 43. It says, a good tree does what? Does not bear bad fruit. No good tree bears bad fruit. No, 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 hold on. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Stop right there. No good tree bears bad fruit. Why? Because the only thing in the tree is good. Okay? Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Why? Because the only thing in the tree is bad. So a tree is going to push out what's inside. Now, Jesus is teaching this right here. And he's using trees as an illustration for people. Say, if you receive the good reality of God, the only thing that will be your experience is his reality in your life. The only way you're going to experience bad is when you receive bad as reality and you produce bad all around you. You just produce it all over the place. Verse 44. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes. They don't get grapes from briars. Good people bring good things out of the good that's stored up in their hearts. Evil people bring evil things out of the evil things stored up in their hearts. How does this work? Because for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, stop right there. So now, what am I saying? Jesus is saying, 
Your mouth is releasing stuff that's in your heart. See, if you would just listen to your self-talk, it will help you understand what's inside of you. And then you can make a decision to choose good or evil based on what you know is coming out. You can't fool yourself. So what's coming out of your mouth is a reflection of what's inside your heart. Now, is that what you want in your life? Is what's coming out of your heart what you want in your life? Because that's what you're having. That's what you're producing. That's what you're generating all around you. It's what's coming out of your mouth. See, it's not the mouth that makes it. It's the heart that makes it. It's the mouth that releases it. Okay? Now, put that in the King James Version, please. Verse 45. In the King James Version, I want you to see this. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bring forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the mouth can only let out what the heart is abundant with. Okay? And that can be good or it could be evil. It's your choice. It's your choice. It's your choice. Notice the word treasure is used in both illustrations for good treasure, evil treasure. How can treasure be evil? The word treasure in the Greek is the word thesaurus. This word thesaurus is the word we use in the English language, which is to describe a, a wealth of words. A wealth of words. So he says a good man out of the good wealth of words that are stored in his heart will release good things. An evil man out of the evil wealth of words that are stored in his heart will release evil things. He says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So what are you creating in your life? What are you producing? All you got to do, you can do two things. You can just listen to yourself talk. Practice that. Or you can do a 360. What do you see? Because what you see is what you created. That doesn't make us a good person or a bad person. It just makes us a generator of what's in us. And the, the beautiful thing about this is that God has wired you in such a way as to give you the power and you the authority to change the landscape of your life. Anytime you get ready, you can start. That's the power of choice. Choosing good is the key. Choosing good is the key. Got a call last night around 1130. A member of our church, their daughter was hospitalized, 13 years old, not responding, just kind of high fever and just collapsing under that. And so, you know, he called, you know, I just need prayer. And so we prayed. But what did we do in that prayer? We chose life. Yes. Now, we saw what was going on. We saw the, 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 the non-responsiveness the res responsiveness of her body and, and so forth. But we didn't choose that. Amen. So we joined together. She says, the doctors don't know what to do. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what it is. Nobody wants to touch her. They want to send her somewhere else. So they must find her to uh, New Orleans, and they did. Okay? 
I said, okay, so let's pray. So we prayed. We chose life. Within 30 minutes, I get another phone call, and it's the girl. Yeah. She calls. She says, Pastor, I just want to let you know I'm doing much better now. I say, Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so they took her to New Orleans and just checking things out. And, and, and they think it's something to do with um, um, pneumonia or and a combination of fatigue, you know. So it was no, no, it's no big deal, okay? See, so it's like, what are you going to do? And see, and that's the key. It's that crisis moment. See, you see what he said here? A good man out of the good treasure. See, what, 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 what treasure you have in you? See, you can't wait to get to that moment and try to get filled up with good treasure. What treasure do you have in you already at the moment of the crisis? Because that is what's going to come out. That's what's going to come out. Hallelujah. Please stand. If you have enjoyed this time with Dr. Thomas, visit us online at normanthomas.org for more extended versions of these teachings. You may also learn where Dr. Thomas will be speaking at a location near you. Until next time, Keep walking by faith.